second, I want to go back to the beginning and sort of reset what, what this idea of abundance is all about. So Jesus says one time, I came to give you life and give you life to the full. So first idea that we're trying to get across is many of us grew up with the idea that the main thing about Jesus or church or whatever was to get to heaven, right? And what I'm trying to explain is that that's actually not the main thing. Now, I'm telling you, don't worry about that. I think we got that covered. I think the, the life that is to come, as Paul talked about it, is, is uh, beyond what anyone can think or imagine. One time he said it never, it's never even entered into the mind of men. But it's not. The, the primary thing Jesus came to do was to give us life. And so we've missed a lot because for years and years and years in the church, we've always talked about the main thing is it's like something for you after you die. So kind of like uh, any of you buy uh, like insurance policies for that kind of thing. It's the policy you hope you never use. So you got to think about it. Christianity has been the thing that you hope you never really need until it's all over, and then you hope that you have it. So Jesus says, "I he, I came to give you life," and when he talked about it, he meant right here and right now. And he says, "I came to give you in an abundant form." And so the other problem that we've had is we've put Jesus and his teaching in a category that is only, quote, religious. So we took him out of being a, today you would think of as a life coach, or you would think of as someone I go for professional help, someone that could help me get my life together. And we kind of have Jesus over in this singular category of religion. And so we don't go to him for everyday advice. But I would like to, if I could, sort of pull him out of that little singular closet and say, what if you re-looked at Jesus, what he taught, how he lived, as, as someone that could influence and affect your life totally? And then you would have different language and you'd say, well, maybe when he came, when he said, I came to give you an abundant life, maybe I should re-look at some of the things that he talked about. One of the things that he talked about most was fear. Go back and reread. It's encounter after encounter after encounter with the disciples, and you hear him saying over and over again, don't be afraid. Don't fear. Why is that? And what can we learn about this? Because fear seems to be a driver of so much of our negative behavior. Your, yours, mine, um, if you trace it back, trace, you know, our anger, our uh, unforgiveness, our whatever the things are, and you could, you could point to other people, global problems and, and leaders you disagree with or whatever, but even our own, it's often, the root is often fear. So, in fact, go back and look um, you know, when, when we did the Genesis series a while back, we're talking about we have to read these with fresh eyes. Genesis being an inspired idea, the very first problem was fear, right? Uh, that they were afraid, and so they hid. So one of the things that Jesus comes to do is to take away fear from us. And when we're, when we're operating in fear, then usually we're at our worst, when you're operating in fear, you're usually operating at your worst. 
Um, now, scientists are saying this. Social scientists are saying this. Um, brain um, studies of neurology are learning this as well. Here's what they're learning. Our minds, think about this, are inclined towards fear and negativity. So, example, you go to work and you're in a meeting and you're, you're taught in these meetings, you're taught, you know, you can um, uh, welcome everybody's ideas. We want a lot of good exchange. Anybody ever had these speeches? We want a lot of give and take, a lot of feedback. And we want, they create these open environments. The only problem with that is what? We don't really want it. We, we don't want anyone to critique our idea. It all sounds good in a book. You know, you read it, and every idea is good. There's no bad ideas. But when you put yourself out there, and you lay an idea out there, and then somebody in the meeting, like, tromps on it, you, you pull back. Why is it, why is it that three people can say something nice to you, but if you're at a party or at a meeting or at a dinner, and one person says something negative, what do you do? You go home at night, and you stew over and over and over again about the negative. And this is what they're saying. They, they're learned that the negative sticks to our brains. We're, we're drawn to it. I can tell you this is true. After service, many people will come up to me and say really nice things. You know what? That really helped me. That You helped me see something different in that message. And then there'll be one person, right, that says... Yeah, you know, Chris, you're kind of out there, and you know they have a nice way of saying it, whatever, or email. And what sticks? You go home and you think about the, the negative, right? So they're studying this and they're finding out why is that? Why don't we? Why aren't they all equal? And and now they're they're discovering that part of our brain has like an alarm system, an alarm system. And so what really happened, this is what goes on in our brain, they're saying, it actually triggers the alarm. And uh, has anybody ever been a part of like a false alarm, like a school drill or something like that? And someone pulled an alarm and everybody gets under the desk or they get to the room where they're supposed to get to and there's all this commotion and all this panic. And then someone has to come in and make a decision. Is this real, right? Or is this not real? You know, it's a principal or it's the CEO or somebody that comes in and gives people the direction. This is your brain, they're discovering, has this alarm system. Why is it that we grab the negative and hold on to it? The reason they're, they're, they're learning is we inherited this, the DNA that was passed down to us that we inherited, right, was survival. So, you know, if our ancestors were in the bush and they heard a noise and they ran the other way, right, they survived. The people that were like, heard the noise and said, let me go see what that roar is, right? They're not here. And we didn't, I mean, I'm oversimplifying it, but this is what they're saying. So it was actually a good thing. It was a survival thing that we, that fear was passed on to us. Think for a minute. Now, fear becomes to us an enemy because we can't open ourselves to other people, to other conversations, because when you're afraid, the first thing that you do is you run or you shut down. 
you run, have you ever been there? You've been in a meeting with people and you watched and all of a sudden you just watch a person. Let's say there's six people in a meeting. You watch one person shut down. They didn't put up a sign, but it was there. It's like, I'm no longer a part of this. I'm no longer offering. I'm no longer open. I'm no longer uh, inter, intermixing with the ideas because I'm afraid. So Christ comes and we're, we, he says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And what he wanted to do was to open us, open us, so that we aren't running, we aren't hiding, even from ourselves. Now think about this. Think about your and mine church history, right? Fear God. How many were taught that? Fear God. And if you have a King James Bible, which most people cut their teeth on, uh, especially the, the generation before, it's loaded. Fear God, fear God, fear God. And now what we learned is, well, actually, the word that they translated fear means reverence. Or another word is, a better word, the, the, most, the, the best word I could find is be in awe of. You know, this morning, I would, guess what I was in awe of? A mom and duck trying to make, crossed our street with little, six little ones following. And I, and I was busy trying to get ready and I just stopped, right? And I had to watch. I had to make sure that they all got across the street. And certain things, you, they just stop you, don't they? Sunsets and all kinds of amazing things, they'll just stop you. There was never the design. This is so important. Just, just try to hang in there. It was never the design that we were ever supposed to be afraid of God, ever. But layers and layers and layers of church history and all, all kinds of biases and the way things were translated have brought to us this idea that you're supposed to be afraid of God. When you're afraid of God, you're not operating well. When you're afraid of other people, you're not operating well. And when you're afraid of the future or uncertainty or tomorrow, you, you, you're you're at you start to perform at your worst the, then all the other emotions you'll find now think about it next time um let's say you're not at peak performance right anybody know what i'm talking about like my like my golf swing not at peak performance right you, you, emotionally you're not at peak performance you're 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 cold you're you're uh you're short with people you're angry whatever they are Roll back. Watch this. You will find eight times out of ten, you're afraid. You never knew to, to put those words to it. I'm afraid of how this is going to turn out. I'm afraid of what they're going to think of me. I'm, and, and so if you can trace it back and say, you know, the root of so much of the negative is actually traced into fear. The opposite of fear is when you're relaxed, Right? And so we've all done this too. You go, to a, you go to a meeting or you go to a group that you've never been to before. Picture this, right? It's a business meeting. It's a, it's a new fitness class. I mean, you know, the silly things. I go to a spinning class I've never been to and I'm all afraid, right? Someone all right, took me to a spinning class. I don't know if I'm going to pedal right. They're looking at me. I don't have the right shorts. Anybody with me? Why? Why do we do that? Does anybody care in that room? No, who cares? We do. Am I, am I alone here? Or please, somebody affirm what I'm saying. You go to a thing and you think, uh, you're thinking about yourself. You're thinking about how am I being judged or how do I appear? Nobody else cares. 
They're there to get their work out, to do their thing, to get in. You go into a business meeting, and you've never been in this particular environment. I don't know, am I supposed to sit this way? Am I supposed to? So fear then starts to drive. Now, hopefully we've matured, but has anyone ever done this? When you get afraid, you start, you have little habits. Anybody? Talking too much. Anybody? I'm afraid. So then, you, you know, it's like, oh, here I go. I'm just rambling. I, I don't know what I'm saying, but I'm just going to keep talking, right? We have little triggers that we... So we're not performing at our best when we're afraid. And this is, this is something that we inherited. It was a survival instinct. So um, I've been talking about how bad my golf game is. So I'll do one more this year, all right? And then I'm going to stop. Has anyone ever been there, right? You've practiced, you've worked on your swing, especially when you're starting to golf and you, you haven't done it a lot. And then you go out to an outing. Stay with me. All your friends are there, right? And your group is up and they're going to wait for you guys to tee off. And then the outing starts and you're up by the clubhouse and there's people up on a patio or something. And they're lo- they're, everybody's watching you tee off. Is anybody with me? Your, your heart rate changes, huh? Is it, I'm not talking about you that are pros. I'm talking about like hacks like me, right? Your heart rate changes. Everything starts going south on you, and you haven't even swung the club once. And all you want to do is get off that first tee box. Is anybody with me? Why? Because some stupid reason, fear takes over in us. And it's all, it's traceable back to this. So we're not at our best. And then what happens? the worst swing of your life, right? Right there on the first tee box. And all you want to do is just get out away from people, right? Why? Because this is important. The fear then will, what? It'll subside. Now I'm okay. I'm with somebody that, you know, I don't have to worry about if they're going to judge me. Fear and judgment, they go together. Here's an here's a interesting scripture. Don't just think of judgment like, God's judgment, or all these old, although people have that mindset as well, which I think needs to be reworked. But if that's the mindset that you have, you're going to underperform. If you think, some of you have been in, in sports, you know this. Um, you know, I went from one coach to the other coach, and if you've ever played basketball, the, any sport, you need, to, you need to not be afraid. You need to be in the flow, right? They, they called Jordan, he was in the zone. And they're not thinking, they're just playing. If you're thinking, you're in trouble. So if you take a shot and you miss, you know, if you're Steph Curry, you don't care, right? I'm going to take another shot the next time down. I'll be five feet further back. And he has no fear that he's ever going to get pulled off the floor. He has no fear because he's comfortable. He's confident in who he is, right? But if you're afraid, you'll see this. You'll see with the guys coming off the bench, um, they, they hesitate with their shot. They're a, little bit, they're a little bit nervous that if I don't perform well, I'm going to get what? Pulled. So I transferred from one school to the other, and this, this coach didn't have confidence in me. And it was amazing to watch, watch myself spiral downward. Right? Because now I was afraid if I missed a shot, I was going to get pulled. All right. Now, Scripture, 1 John. Um, 1 John 4 talks about this. Um, Love drives out fear. Love drives out fear. And if you and I are afraid, all right, then we're not operating in love. 
perfect love drives, just think about this. So think about somebody that's saying, don't worry about that. You're going to hit the next shot. Don't worry about that. All of a sudden, you're what? You're built up. You're stronger. But fear has to do with punishment or judgment. And you're always afraid. Am I doing good enough? That's with God. That's with your neighbor. That's with your, your, your friends. That's with anybody. So when you're always worried about judgment or punishment or results, then you aren't operating well. That's why it's so healthy to grow up with a nurturing right environment where you know it's okay to make mistakes. And then you're kind of a free person. Jesus over and over again, don't be afraid. Don't fear. So if, if our minds are inclined to fear, and if you, we admit it, that they, they, they grab on. I was studying this too. Psychologists are saying it takes, they're, they're actually trying to study this. They're saying it takes five to seven, and I saw some that said nine, positives to overcome a negative. So you're in a meeting and someone rips into you. I mean, think about it. You go to a meeting, someone lays into you at work. How do you feel? You, you just feel terrible. And you, you could say, well, it's just, they're just words, you know, quote your you know, first grade teacher, sticks and stones. Or break, you know. It doesn't matter because that's not true, right? The, the words go right to your soul. And they're saying it takes, and they're, they're actually studying it in a scientific way. It's five, seven, some are saying nine, nine to overcome one negative. So how do we, if our minds are inclined to the negative, I want to just give us a tool to, to take home. How do we change that? Because you're going to encounter it, unfortunately, right? Or somebody you don't even know. You're on uh, 696, right? Some guy comes by you, right, and you didn't see, you were in the signal, and you didn't see, and you were drifting into that lane, and you didn't see him in the blind spot, and he comes by and, you know, tells you you're number one, and, uh, you know, and, uh, and he, you can hear his, you can hear, you can see him mouthing to you. You feel something, you feel something here, right? Why does it? It takes something to overcome that. So you have to calm, is it true? Something I have to calm down, I have to... Let this go. So here's the tool, and this is a, this is an, a really old practice, um, and it, I'm going to use a I'm going to use a church word that you've heard a million times that will help us overcome fear. Prayer. Now here's the thing. Uh, University of Pennsylvania. Uh, did a study on prayer or meditation in all different faiths. And this is what they discovered. People that pray or meditate or whatever for a certain small time every day are healthier than people that don't. And this is not like, you know, church-sponsored study. This is just, this is what they're discovering. Why is that? Because we... Prayer, don't think of prayer as your Santa Claus list for God. I want this, and I want, and I want a new car, and a new toy, and, I, you know, that's kind of the lowest level. That's what your kids do, right? And, and there's nothing wrong with asking God for things. I think that's, but think about it at a different level. What it does is it, it takes our minds off of fear, 
and moves them onto something. And, they, and this is what they discovered. Especially high results for people that meditated on a God of love. Especially people that said, said things like, I thank you, the God of love. I honor you. And, and it was specifically focused on meditating on a God of love. Why? You start to believe. Think about a little child, right? Um, when they're afraid, what do they want? Mom or dad. They want a hug. They want comfort. They want to know everything's going to be okay. It re- honestly, and it, it sounds so simple, but I guess because it is, that's all you're really doing. Prayer is you taking the hits of life. Life brings them. And it's just going into that little place and saying, but God's going to work it out. But I'm okay. But I am loved. But God's in my corner. And people that do this, they're finding out, live healthier lives. What was, what was the practice of Jesus? He would withdraw. Everybody looking around, where's Jesus? Oh, he's up on the mountain. He's praying, right? He's getting away. Our culture doesn't favor this. Our culture favors constant noise. Constant noise. The TV's always on. Then it's the radio. You go in. How many have ever been? I mean, I'm guilty. I've had the, t- the true story. I've had the TV on. I've had uh, uh, something I'm listening to on my iPad and the radio all at the same time. Is anybody? And I mean, somehow I think I'm enjoying it or something, right? We're all, but it's, our cultures doesn't, doesn't tell us, just stop, right? There's an ancient Christian practice. They called it a contemplative prayer, right? Where you stop. It, what, we use the word contemplate, right? You're upset. You're angry, right? What's, what's the right thing to do? Send the email. Vent. Let them know. No, none of these things are healthy. But actually what healthy is like go for a walk, right? Calm, your, calm yourself down. And if prayer is not the word that works for you, find the one that is. Because we've, we've too often limited prayer to, you know, on our knees, hands folded, saying a bunch of things to God. Paul taught us pray all the time. So there's no way you could do that 24 hours a day. It's a frame of mind that you would put yourself in where now, right, I'm connecting with God who's bigger than my fears, bigger than my problems. Love casts out fear. Spend time, little child, spend time with your mom, spend time with whoever, grandma. They soothe you. They soothe you. You get back up. They wipe your tears away. And you stand a little stronger. And now you're ready to go back out there. What's the key? Prayer is settling your mind, right? And not feeling the need to react. One of the worst things that we do when we get afraid is we react. Anybody? I mean, I can list the days in my head when I've done this to my own demise. Can you? Like, I, 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 let, I let my fuse go, right? I let, I let loose on the e- email, whatever it was. And Oh, come on, I don't want to be alone. You guys, don't be, this, uh, don't be phony spiritual with me. You let it go, and you're like, I, I, I can remember the day. I shouldn't have done that, right? So you don't react. 
Instead, you replace. You've got to replace these thoughts with something better. So I'm going to close with this. Give you a little exercise to do, something to think about. And when you find yourself in fear or pick the other negative emotion that you're grabbing onto, um, how, do I, how do I reverse this? How do I overcome this? And let me say one more thing. We can, what they're learning is you can rewire your mind. I think you can rewire your reactions. Some people just call it maturity. But you can get to the place where it doesn't bother you as much, where you don't react as much, where you start to become a person who can say, you know what, I know they're all upset about that. I know they're, but that's not going to bother me anymore. I use the Steph Curry example. Did anybody watch the finals? Steph Curry? I mean, that's some good ball right there. People get out, do things, all right? Steph Curry, he goes, he, he goes lights out. He, 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 he sets a record for three-pointers in one game. The next game, he can't hit anything. I mean, anything. He's 0 for, I, I start 0 for 9, Miller? 0 for 9, did he start? He was broke. And what, what, why did, what does he do? Does he panic? No, because he's Steph Curry. He's got to a place in his basketball game where he doesn't worry because he knows he's going to miss shots and he's going to start what? He's going to start making them again. This is so important for us. They're going to have bad days, right? But if you can retrain your mind, right? Reprogram that computer up there so that, you know what? It's okay because I'm not going to operate now all of a sudden on fear. I'm calm. I'm going to just take another shot, and things are going to work out. Paul said it this way. Be transformed by renewing your mind. Be changed by renewing your mind. The mind wants to grab fear. Go, go look at the news rack, right? Go, go to the checkout of the, uh, of the grocery store. Go watch the, oh, God forbid, but watch the news. Why? It's all fear. What sells? What gets eyeballs? Fear. They're not going to tell you, oh, eight ducks crossed the road by Chris's house this morning. And, you know, they, once in a while they'll throw a little nugget in there, you know, the news for like a little cute factor. But that's not what sells. That's why they can't do it on that. They have to do it on fear because you're attracted to it. So recognize, ready? Recognize your addiction to fear. Recognize it as that. Why am I so addicted to that? And retrain your mind, right? Call it prayer, meditation, contemplation, whatever. And say, you know what? I'm going to refocus my, my mind and my thoughts. Here's the last thing. We don't have time to go through it. But the people you put yourself, the, the, the circles you put yourself in have a huge, huge impact on this. If you stay around people that are negative and fear-driven, you will, this is a guarantee, you, they will rub off on you. Now, you, certain circles, I have to be here for work, or, you know, this is my neighbor. You, of course, you're not better than anybody. You, you mix in all kinds of circles. But I'm telling you, if you make it your practice to be around people, which is why, you know, sometimes, I mean, I hate to say I'm trying to be polite here, but there's some negative churches, right? And it's it's, it's damnation and fire and negativity. And, and guess what? That's, that's what is bred. And that's how people think. So be careful the circle that you put yourself in. Because 
like it or not, this is how we, we end up. We end up close to uh, the, or like the people that we're closest to that are around us. And another church word, fellowship. Have you heard this word? Fellowship. It's actually the, the, the Greek word is koinonia, right? And it, it's, it wasn't a church word per se. It was like, this is my... This is like my business partnership. This is somebody I'm in alliance with. Koinonia. Be careful. Ready? Who you put yourself in alliance with emotionally. It's people that always have something negative to say. Think about it. Eventually, that starts to rub in to you. All right? So two tools for our addiction to fear. Prayer and what? Fellowship. The people that don't drag me to fear, but the, did you hear about this? Did you know about that? Oh, you guys have been there, right? And you're just trying to get a little water at the water cooler. But did you know about this? And all of a sudden, people are draw, they're, they're drawn into that. Christ comes. Don't be afraid. Don't fear. Right? All the way from the beginning of the story, Genesis, I was afraid, and so I, what? Hid. What do you do when you're afraid? You hide. You hide emotionally, whatever. The opposite is when you're not afraid, you come out. You, you, you come out. You take the shot. You're, you're, you're free to miss um, all that. Let's stand.